Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Modern Mind with today's guest, Mr. Zach Talander, who is a very high-level Olympic weightlifter, YouTuber, and musician. In today's discussion, Zach and I explore how he got into lifting and the value that it gives him, and how he went from being an avid YouTube content consumer to an avid YouTube content creator, as he now has a very successful YouTube channel that is, in fact, diversified into things beyond Olympic weightlifting, such as music, which is a massive creative expression for Zach, and I was incredibly pleasantly surprised when he first sent me some examples of his work. I expected rock music, I admit, but what it is in fact known as is Americana music, but more on that later. Zach and I then deep dive on the fitness industry as a whole and where we think it can be improved. I feel like the landscape's changed enormously in the past couple of years and Zach and I share our reflections on exactly that through a game of what we called fitness industry improvement tennis going back and forth, and Zach is the first to serve, but you'll get to that point later on, don't you worry. So expect that and much, much more once we dive into today's conversation, but before we do that, I have a couple of requests for you. If you would be so kind as to rate and review the show on whatever platform you're listening on, make sure to check us out on YouTube along with hitting follow or subscribe wherever you may be. And if you're feeling generous, it'd be great if you could share this episode or an episode previously with a friend, as that's the best way for the show to continue to grow and fantastic conversations like this one to continue to happen. Alongside this, it is important to mention the show's sponsors, as without them, there would be no show. First up, we have Vivo Barefoot, who I've been wearing since January 2019, and you won't really catch me in anything else day to day. I'm, I'm kind of morphing into a cartoon character at this point, because I'm in the novice pretty much every day. And whilst I do have a wide array of other options available at the house, because Vivo covers you across pretty much every setting that you could imagine, I've just really chosen the Novus as my weapon of choice day to day. So much so that I've actually stockpiled for the future, as I love them that much. All Vivos are wide, thin, and flexible, and have an open toe box as well as being zero drop, which is much more akin to being, you guessed it, barefoot. And this means that you can build your foot strength from the ground upwards. Study from the University of Liverpool in 2021 has indicated that you can improve your foot strength by up to 60% simply by wearing a pair of Vivos day to day. So if you want to be jacked and tan in your day to day life and apply your feet to that equation, then Vivos are the way to go. Generally speaking, my feet feel stronger, more robust, and I feel more in control of how I'm moving, running, and I'm just more comfortable on a day-to-day -day basis in them. And if you want to give them a go, you can use the code FERGUS20 until the end of 2023 to get 20% off. And if you're listening after that, then sorry, Fergus Vivo will have to do as it will get you 15% off. Please do let me know how you get on over social media as well, as I would love to hear how much you love them. Next up, we have Days Brewing, whose alcohol-free lager and pale ale are brewed just down the road from me in East Lothian, but sold nationwide. And I like to keep a fully stocked fridge, because when I'm craving a beer at the end of a stressful day, or at the end of a long week, or maybe with a, a takeaway on a Saturday night after a big training session, dare I say, when I'm inclined to reach for a beer, and there aren't any, but there is an alcohol-free one, I can have all of the ceremony of a beer, all of the ceremony of a pint, all of the enjoyment of a pint without any of the downsides, because it really doesn't take much alcohol for me these days for my cognitive ability, sleep, and therefore overall recovery to be affected. So simply by giving myself access to icy cold days lager or pale ale, I am making sure that whenever I have that sort of inclination, 
I can just have an alcohol-free one, enjoy myself, get all that I want out of it without any of the downsides. That's not to say that I won't have an alcoholic beverage or or several every once in a while. It's coming up to Christmas time, which means that that'll be a bit more common. But generally speaking, day-to-day, week-to-week, I like to really minimize my alcohol intake for the sake of overall productivity, cognitive ability, sleep, and recovery. So if you'd like to do the same, then you can save yourself 20% off with the code MODERNMIND20 at checkout. And again, do please let me know how you get on over social media. So without any further ado, let's dive into today's conversation with Mr. Zach Talanda. Mr. Talanda, how's Miami? It's good. It's uh, a bit dreary. It's like uh, very UK summer. Well, that, that's kind of what I really want to touch on, first of all, which is we, we met up when you were last in the UK. And I've just recently been to the US, so I'm very much looking for comparison. I'm drawing the the comparisons and the stereotypes that we all look for. So, what were your biggest takeaways from the UK? The good and the, the well, good and the bad. Culturally, I think culturally your floor is is higher than ours. So, for instance, I stayed at like a hotel when I was in Edinburgh and it was one of, it was an incredible breakfast service in the morning. Incredible. That like is just non-existent in a, in America. That sort of, that sort of service, right? Like you might get a hotel breakfast that is absolute dog shit here. Uh, but that's what I mean. Like, just like the kind of base run of the mill service stuff, like your public transit in London was fantastic. I, th- I thought it, like I thought it was good is, in New York. To be fair, I was pleasantly surprised with how efficient it was there. New York is pretty good. Yeah, uh, I think you guys adopted the not having like you can just tap your credit card. You guys did that before us, which was nice. But I just I think you know, and then I, I think that's part of it. It's like you guys. Be, I think the population is less. I mean, it is less. I don't think that. Uh, so so that means that the the public offering is is greater i think personally you know uh in in i just but then you know the ceiling here in america could be potentially be greater i think uh my roommate chris williamson um he always brought this up he always talked about like you know the cutting down of the tall poppy uh syndrome and in in the uk basically someone shines above the rest it's kind of looked down upon because like in all fairness, it does get a bit annoying. The ego can get high. I think in the UK and Ireland, like people are very good at being like, Hey man, don't get too big for your britches. Don't, don't be an egotistical asshole. That's for Americans. <laughs> Americans do that. Right. So there is a trade off there for sure. Um, that's culturally, that's, that's the biggest thing. And, and I, I, I'd assume those things were true, but that once I visited there was was definitely the case. What was your? So There's a nice breath of fresh air fa- you know, going to the UK. I, I loved it. Favorite location? Edinburgh for sure. <laughs> I knew the answer. Sure. I knew the answer. What yeah. do you think of Sunderland? It's the best, dude. Sunderland v Edinburgh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. It's a close. That's a close one, man. Yeah, that's <laughs> a, 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 a common comparison. If you go on TripAdvisor, people often dude, go that- like for like Edinburgh for Sunderland. To be fair. The people in Sunderland were like, why are you here? So I, I did a seminar and because I was staying in uh, Newcastle, 
I did a seminar at a CrossFit gym in Sunderland. And like the people who own the gym in Sunderland were like, hey, man, you shouldn't be here. <laughs> so we're very glad that you are, but but we, we yeah, didn't expect yeah. you to respond to that email. It's uh, the, the, nor- yes. the Northeast is exceptionally friendly, though, like in a really genuine way, which is which is I awesome. love it. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. My, my, my biggest takeaway is exactly as you've said, it just the scale of the ceiling in the US versus the UK. is just a totally different league and you can you can taste it in the yes. air. You can feel it. And yeah, whilst you said the service at breakfast here can be fantastic, we don't then need to put 20% on the bill afterwards, which is something I always struggle with culturally, but I'm sure it's just second nature for you at this point, isn't it? For sure. And I've been doing, uh, I've been performing in, in music lately and tips are very big. I mean, I'm lucky to have, you know, income in other ways, but the guys in my band, like I'm able to pay them a lot more uh, because of the tips. So it's like, I have much more respect for tipping culture in that way. Yeah, that's awesome. Because I think it's one of the biggest, the biggest narratives between the UK and the US that people just love to have is, is why it is structured that way. But it is structured that way in America. And that's the way things are. So it's kind of just swallow that pill and crack on. But we both get a lot of value from lifting. It, it's it's fair to say, and those that don't understand lifting often can't see why it's so valuable and why the arc of a, the gym bro can be so powerful. And you correct me if I'm wrong. You got into lifting from playing football and high school background, and then eventually dabbled in CrossFit, and then found yourself just falling in love with weightlifting. Am I am I right in saying that? Yeah, yeah. I um, I played a ton of sports growing up, like everything from uh swimming and diving so like i did diving as well so it's just kind of like a gymnastic type sport but then i did track and field and then there's three seasons that you in school that you play in um there's you know the fall winter and spring seasons and then summer you have off and so for me it was uh Fall was football, winter was basketball, and spring was lacrosse. And uh, I was able to get a, a scholarship to the University of Vermont for playing lacrosse. Um, but I was offered some other scholarships for football and a number of different things. But I, I took that. And then after I graduated, I felt like I still had so much more to give. In 22 years old, you're like yeah. hardly cracking into what your potential is. So I, uh, I think I saw like a men's journal article and it was, I think it was Rich Froning or someone like talking about the CrossFit games, but then it was also, um, and mind you, this was 2012, 2013 ish, like maybe before 2013, so 2012 and Rich Froning, they they were doing a little piece on him and then they had talked about Murph and I was like, damn, that's a really cool concept. Like of all the training sessions that I did, I never thought about like running and then doing push-ups and then like then doing squats and then doing pull-ups and then running again. Like I never once were we told we were going to do that. And there's reason for that, mind you, when you're when you're playing a sport, right? There's reasons why it's almost like unnecessary. Um, but having said that, I I was inspired and I. This was actually a changing point in my life. The gym that I wanted to go to hadn't really opened yet. So they didn't have like a website up or anything. But So there was another gym I called and I was worried about coming in. Like I, I don't know what to expect. And like the guy just goes, no, nah, I come in. He's like, You're, you were an athlete? He's like, oh, no, dude, come on in. 
I came in that day. I met up with these guys. They were football players. They were ex-football players, all three of them. They, and they ended up being, you know, a huge inspiration for my future growth in that. I got, I was in the gym from that point on every single day. And then we started focusing on Olympic weightlifting together as like a unit. And that just changed my whole entire life. So if I had gone to that other gym, I don't know if that would have ever happened, which is very interesting to think about. It's crazy, isn't it? How, how um, that little decision and that little change in direction ultimately led to what has fed a career in, in many ways, but a real, real passion and a very high level of competition. So what, what was it about weightlifting, which is a very skillful, very binary in many ways sport? Why, why were you drawn to that as a pursuit from that point onwards? I think it's because people couldn't in my gym, like they just couldn't do it. And I just sent it. So like people could not like snatch, like do a full snatch from the floor. Like they just couldn't wrap their he heads around it. And one day I was like, okay, I'm going to hit my hips. I'm just going to squat and see what happens. And it worked. And I was like, okay, this is fun. Like now I can kind of do this thing that not many people are able to do. Uh, and I was doing it at like 135 pounds or 60 kilos. And I was just like, you know, let's keep doing CrossFit. Let's keep going and going. And then, um, yeah, it was just that feeling of like, oh, I can do something that like other people can't. And like, I want to see how good I can get at that thing. That was like the raw beginning of it. But I think what drew me to weightlifting um, and even CrossFit was I had been in team sports my entire life. And so for me, team sports are really tough one to manage because you give yourself an out a lot. You can blame your teammates and you can blame your coach. And you can not get played and you can also not get the ball. Like people forget like, you know what I mean? You, you can not get the ball. You can not get plays called your way. You can not get on the fucking field. Um, your teammate could fumble. You know, there's plenty of things that can happen. Uh, and I've always been given that excuse, that way out. And weightlifting was like a hard line. It's like there is zero excuse. That's it. Like it's your fault. Everything is your fault. So make it your fault or, or don't. Like get better. And so for me, that was like the biggest stress relief I've ever felt in my fucking life. Like I, I can't tell you how important that was to me. It was literally like – Oh my God, I was addicted to it. I was addicted to it. So I was like, okay, let's go. Like, I'm going to push this thing really hard. Pretty much did a snatch or a clean and jerk every single day for a year. Like every single fucking day. I, I'm not even kidding you. Monday through Sunday, there was no day off. I was obsessed. I was absolutely obsessed. I used to watch myself in the mirror while I would like mimic a snatch. American psycho mode. One, one I would just barbell grab, overhead yeah. pointing in the mirror. I would great yeah yeah I would you know grab my dad or my mom and I would explain concepts to them that they didn't give a shit about you know what I mean mom mom come, come, come watch this I, I, come oh, watch man. this Irish guy in a tank talk squat 300 kilos come watch Clarence Kennedy come on come yeah, on yeah 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 I was I was dreaming I was dreaming snatch and clean jerk do you think it's control Crazy. control that was the draw? Because for me, powerlifting being so black for and sure. white in an otherwise very grey world was what really made me love it for so many years. But I think yeah, it, it, it's it's and it was outputs, also it? I, I had a thing that I could, I was consistent in. I couldn't get a job, 
It's fucking crazy. <laughs> like, couldn't couldn't get a job, couldn't hold a job, living in my parents' house after school. It was the one thing where it's like, I know, I know I'm going to the gym. My my life. It was the only thing that I knew I was gonna do. How much So it was like, hell yeah. How much of an impact did the content you were consuming online have on your passion for that? Everything. Everything. Yeah. It was everything in the world to me. 2013 YouTube around weightlifting was everything I it's the only thing I cared about. I think 2013 I basically stopped peak watching YouTube. As, uh, yeah. peak, peak YouTube fitness as a whole, I'd say. Probably. Probably. Yes, probably. And that's pure nostalgia, you know, like uh yeah, 2013 was just it was just amazing. I can tell you the videos. It was um Lu Jun in Paris World Championships. Uh, Dmitry Klokov and this guy called Akayev Kazumurat uh, in uh, Warsaw World Championships. And then there was Kendrick Ferris. Yeah. I don't know if you know who yeah, that yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. Ken- Ken- Kendrick Ferris in um, like University Worlds was the name of it. That's a video that's just so inspiring to me. Uh, and then you know, the list goes on and on, but those were the big ones that I just, you know, was, was crazy. I, I didn't even think of like making a YouTube until four years later. I was the same, funnily enough. It was Masthetics, Max Tuning, Guzman, Michael Corey, Lean Body Lifestyle, as he was known back in the day. All these just fitness YouTubers that were just a core part of my evenings when I was learning to lift and learning about nutrition. And again, as both sitting here as people that produce content on YouTube, never did I once feel brave enough to even consider the notion of doing something myself. Well, I, to be fair, I didn't follow YouTubers. Just athletes. Was that the so people you listed were just waiting? It was just, they, I yeah. wanted to watch, I just wanted to watch videos. Like I didn't conceptually YouTube. And I, and I swear not until very recently, I feel like the the pop the majority of America doesn't look at YouTube the way that we look at it, where it's like this is a personality, this is a social media extension for some people. You know, for me it was like, oh, I want to watch Lu Jun lift. Like I don't want to watch a YouTuber present Lu Jun. I just want to watch. I want to watch weightlifting happen. I don't give a fuck. You know, but YouTube, I can just search into it because it's essentially, it's just Google, right? Now I can just watch videos of that thing. I didn't know conceptually what YouTube was. Like, I didn't think about content creation at all. It was not a thing for me. This is just a place where videos exist. And so I'll, I'll explain my process going into YouTube. If This is an interesting segue. We can go right into that. If you're yeah, yeah let, let, let's that. do it because it's, uh, yeah, for, for me, it was the, 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 the aspirate that, the YouTubers I engage with, it was because I felt I felt like the journey that I was on as an individual was I, I I felt like I could relate to the people I was seeing online when everybody around me wouldn't or couldn't. So it was the the community that I was missing in my day to day. I found on YouTube through the journey that I was going on, which in many ways was kind of like I was looking at the lifestyle that I was trying to create for myself through the lens of these YouTubers in the same way that you were looking at the way that a barbell was moving from A to B through the lens of those yeah, athletes. Yeah, but that, that, happened, that happened to me eventually. Yeah. I just didn't know. I just had no concept of that. So YouTube 
just wasn't a thing. Again, it was a place where videos were. It wasn't like a place where I would go and try to see content creators and I would talk about that with my friends. Like we did not have YouTube as like a thing that we would talk about. Um, none of my friends would go on YouTube to follow creators. It was just not a thing. Uh, and then I think 2016 or 17, uh, somebody told me about Casey Neistat. And I, I first off, I went to college uh, for film and television production. And then I, in high school, um, you know, for four years straight, I took editing classes. Like I was obsessed with making videos. And so when I saw Casey Neistat, it was like, wow, this is really cool. Like, you know, the daily vlog thing. And, and it was like, that's kind of what I see myself being able to do at, at some point. And this is really funny because I, I, I started, I was kind of like back into CrossFit a little bit. I was doing like vlogs around my day with CrossFit. And I sent one of my vlogs to CrossFit Reddit. And this guy started ripping on me. Did I Have I told you this no, story? No, no, no. <laughs> but okay. anything with Reddit is this always guy, a, a thread I want to pull on. Yeah. This guy started commenting. And it, it was actually, again, one of those moments that changed my life. But he was like, you know, you're, we don't know what your goal is with these videos. It was just a, like a vlog, right? We don't know what your goal is. You're not like a super good looking dude, you know? You're also not that like crazy impressive as far as like what you can do. Like, what is it that we're supposed to care about? And I was like, you know, first off, I'm like, fuck you. You know what I mean? To think that was my first initial reaction. Uh, but then I was like, he, you know, he's absolutely right. Like, but there was another thing he said. He's like, what are you really good at? And I was like, well, I'm very fucking good at teaching the snatch and the clean and jerk. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm, I promise you I'm very good at that because I've been doing it and I developed a curriculum for, at that time, hundreds of people. I taught how to snatch a clean and jerk. And I found, like, my own route to doing that in the most efficient way that I could. And so I took all those vlog videos off. I think there was like five of them. Completely deleted them off, off of YouTube. They'll never see the light of day. And I released my first official video after that. It was like a four and a half, five minute long video talking about some like how to snatch three tips to make you snatch more weight or something. And um, I put that on the Reddit weightlifting page. And people were like, this is pretty good. I really like this. This is cool. And I remember I got emails every time I would get a subscriber. And I got like 25 emails one night. I was like, whoa, this is amazing. Had a few hundred views. I was like, I can do this because, you know, I've been thinking about that. I have, I have so many videos back here that I could do. So I just did one a day or sorry, one a week uh, for – yeah, I mean, the next seven years, and here I am, <laughs> you know? So it's been seven years, which is just crazy to think. Maybe eight, actually. I think 2024 marks my eighth year. I don't I don't know. I'll I'll have to look. But it, 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 doesn't, even sure matter. Like, it doesn't even matter anymore, really, because it's just what you do, and it's what you love. And I think my favorite thing about that, yes. in the same way it is for me, is that it's all kind of happened by accident, just because you started putting stuff up online for kind of no purpose other than, yeah, I'm good at this, and I'm passionate about it. Not even a let's see what happens. Mm -hmm. It's just a, 
let's chuck something at the wall and if it sticks great if it doesn't who cares and if you just build on that over time as you have done eight years later here we are and you've got Mordor in the background as you're trolling TikTokers how the mighty fall how the mighty fall <laughs> yeah exactly I, I look like the also there's that the idea of making it yeah right like that is the most toxic sentence make it making it especially like in the music industry how to make it in the music industry there is no making it anywhere you don't make it you know what i'm saying like yeah. you you just have to exist and try to improve like why would you expect to to be in a situation where you're content why not just i i guess maybe not content like enjoy what you're doing but strive to grow and if you do that, there is no making it. There's no missing it. It's just well, the, 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 the error is is looking for contentment in the future rather than the here and now, isn't it? It's if you're always looking to make it and you're always aspiring to this 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 idealistic point in the future where you've made quote unquote it, you'll lose sight of the, for example, the eight years that have unfolded before your very eyes. And I think that's so, that's one of the main things I got from the time I spent with you in Edinburgh was that I could tell that you were just very much decision-making was based on what what will I enjoy on a day-to-day -day basis? What is going to allow me to, to stay content day-to-day -day whilst focusing on just growth in general, which I think is a really good way to exist. Yeah, so this, by the way, I, I, I've, been, I've been playing music my entire life. Like, I say my entire life, but I started playing drums when I was 10. Uh, picked up guitar around 15-ish or whatever. Uh, and I... Just like YouTube, like I took time off. Like all I wanted to do was edit videos, right? That's what I wanted to do when I grew up was be in production. I found myself into fitness because I just loved it so much. But YouTube gave me an outlet to edit and put videos out. And that was like cool. I took a break from, from doing the thing that I loved, right? Because I was like, oh, I'm in fitness now. Now I can combine the two. It's incredible. And so like recently I've started playing music again and it's like what I see in music now is the same thing that I saw in YouTube when I started YouTube. This The, the, the 25 emails of like, oh, you gained 25 subscribers. You got a few hundred views. I'm getting that from music. It's like the most fun I've ever had. My group of, you know... I think I have like 16,000 monthly listeners, which is, by the way, on, on Spotify, um, it's like if you have over 1,000, you're in the 99th percentile of Spotify musicians. So if you have an over – that's – and it's the same thing with podcasting. Yeah. Right, if you if you you know you only need to make it past episode six or something, I think, to, to be in yeah. the top 10%. It's wild. Exactly. And so – so my little group, I love them, and all I want to do is just expand them by just a little bit, a little bit. I don't want to, I don't want to make it, and that is the that is the verbiage that people use in in music specifically yeah. because it's like it's been romanticized to make it as a rock star and stuff like that. But it could be done. It could be said about any profession. So it's very cool to to now again, after having built something up to now be building something else up and seeing that growth 
that I w- was obsessed with men. Like thinking about YouTube when when I started making YouTube videos, like think oh uh, it like it like my heart races. It's like I have this love again. I swear, I, I can picture myself in 2017 like getting so excited to edit and just sitting and editing for 10 hours straight or shooting a video or writing a script for a video. Like I just loved it and I feel that same thing, passion again. And it's just been, it's been fun. Is the, is fun. the creative process with music even more rewarding? Cause I can, I mean, I am no musician. If I was to start singing now, Honestly, it would be embarrassing. Honestly, it's just but. so similar. Yeah, it's, it's so similar. It really is like my piece of content, but you get rewarded for a good piece of content as music way more than anything else. Because how many times have you listened to the same song? Yeah. Like your, your favorite song. How many times do you think you've listened to it? Uh, I actually, I I, I looked into this recently. It's fade to black by Metallica. And I think last year I listened to it over 430 times. I think it was in the end. Okay. Huge, huge now, numbers. how long is that song? It's a pretty long song, yeah. right? It's probably like close to five minutes. Six oh, it's minutes over. I think it's six, six and a half. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. I'll check. So now that six and a half minute song you've listened 400 times. Can you name a single YouTube video that you've seen over 20 times? You know what I mean? Like that, and and some of these videos that these people are making, some of these YouTube videos are incredible. I mean, the production value, the cinematography, the thought behind them, they're incredible. And the reward is nowhere near the reward of good music. However, the barrier to entry to get into music, like I can leverage my audience to, hey, check out my music. But if my music's not good, no one's listening. Like I'm well aware of that. So first thing comes first, like I want to make good music, music that I love and that I think other people might love. But if people don't, they don't. And there's nothing I can do about it. Like Paris Hilton is a super famous, you know, celebrity for God knows what or whatever. And she got into music and it's like, well, you can't just take, you can't just force people to like your music because you're famous. You can't do that. Music is like one of the most protected things that people have. They're not just going to listen to something because some famous person told them or someone they like told them. Like they have to, it has to be organic. So I know that. I'm well aware of that. And like I'm obsessed with, with music just in general like that. So, so to me, it doesn't necessarily matter as much. I love this idea though of having like a, a small following and just building them up slowly just like I have before. Just like I know that I can. You know, and I'm improving in music too because I'm just playing it so goddamn much lately. Like gigs start coming and once they start coming, they don't stop, dude. They just, you know, go, go, go. And then all of your friends are like, hey, can you play here? Can you play this? Can you do this? And then you're like, you want to write? You want to, you know, it just explodes. The network explodes. So um, do you think there's a point yeah, where... It's been, it's been great. Do you think there's a point where that could hit a threshold that you would lose that passion and lose it. I mean, great example, Lewis Capaldi. He has, quote unquote, by the very definition, made it in show business. In in every facet Mm -hmm. of it, he has nailed it. But with that has obviously come, as he's documented excellently on Netflix, a a significant downturn in his mental well-being. And I think he's still, he's only recently just come back on social media after a huge break to share a few songs about how much he's struggling. And he's been catapulted, catapulted in the music industry, hasn't he? And I wonder whether it's the the race of the trajectory or the actual 
end point of the trajectory that's had the damaging effect. But the good thing is, at the very least, he's being so honest and open with it and, and tackling it head on. But for you, is there a fear that you deal with that you almost want to keep it? You, you, there's the fear of success because your, your music's great. I genuinely love your yeah, music. But, but, I, but, I was shocked when you sent me your first song and I thought, is that Zach singing? That wasn't what I expected at all. I'll admit, I'll admit, yeah, okay, your so you know persona what? implies rock music. Your persona implies rock music. Right. <laughs> you know, Chris said it's like fi- finding out your mate does porn. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like, what the fuck? Like, I didn't know you were, you were, you're you were a musician singing what? a song. Yeah. yeah and the, but, but, but the thing <laughs> yeah. is, if you're yeah. good, they like it. If you're bad, they'll take the piss out of you. It, it's it's of course. it's so funny how we're all like it, YouTube's the same. Any content creation is the same. Oh, that's weird. Why are you doing that? Oh, actually, he's doing quite well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. my friend does this. It's yes. just a very fine line, but it's a very fine line. But okay, to answer your question though, are do you fear, fearful of of success? For me, uh, I know that that's likely not going to happen. I'm just not that guy. Like I'm friends with Derek. Derek's like one of my closest friends in the industry. Yep. Um, and this is just over time because we've become like each other's like confidants as far as like issues that we have. Like we're tech constantly texting each other like problems and issues and things like that. And he's actually gone a look more away from content. Like he doesn't really make content as much anymore. And that's because he's got these businesses that are just crazy. Uh, but he had viral moments and he exploded. Like he genuinely exploded. I have never exploded in eight years and I don't think I will. And I'm totally cool with that. I like, I, I'm, I'm being serious with you. So like if I had exploded in the way that Derek has, I might not, I might be burnt out. I might be done. I might be on to different ventures, but I've been able to kind of hang on and just keep making content and have fun. Like, at the the moment I get disenfranchised with YouTube, I think disenfranchised might disenchanted might be the better word. Uh, with YouTube, I have these moments again where I'm like, oh, I love this. What am I talking about? I love YouTube. I love training. Like those movement, those moments are fewer and far between for the viralized person. I, I agree. For sure. I agree. When I was um, for sure, I, I did a video with Matt Does Fitness down at his house. I took him through his first triathlon in I think it was October twenty one, and he was talking me through a, a summer where it was his best summer ever. I think he went from like eight hundred thousand subs to one and a half million, and not not long at all. And that's crazy, he, bro. That's more than my entire channel, but uh, mind yeah. you, three times Same. more. Same. So, like he was. T- I was at the point. At this point, I wasn't even at fifty thousand subs. I was like, okay, great. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Just very much rubbing salt in the wound here. But he was saying every week he'd wake up on a Monday and like miserably just end himself thinking about what can I do to go viral this week? What can I do to if I eat pink food for 24 hours? All these things that are no way aligned with the reason that you started the channel in the first place. And it, it had, it, I mean, it bore, it bore results in the end, but he said that it really damaged his relationship with what he was doing, which was producing entertaining content that he'd kind of watch himself and enjoy making in the process. Because he's a creative guy, what he brings to life is very entertaining. But chasing that virality meant that the moments of disenchantment were pretty severe for a little while. And I think, again, number one, second, but, second buzzword in the, in, the, in the fitness industry in the world at the moment is recovery is number one. Second one is authenticity. Yeah. And if you lose sight of that, it, then I think it's game over. And uh, let me be clear, though. Like, I would love it. I would revel in it. Yep. You know, the explosion. Sure. Why not? It'd be fun. 
it's a learning thing, but uh, it just hasn't happened to me, and I I can't expect it to. I, I, the the word expect I've gr- grown to hate. I'll never uh, I personally that it just doesn't work for me. It does work for some people. It does. I know Matt Fraser very well, and his whole thing was high expectations. Yeah. And it tortured him and it made him who he was. But, you know, Michael Jordan, high expectations, Kobe Bryant, the list goes on and on. Champions have high expectations. High expectations will destroy your, your mentality. It will destroy your mind. The, the very word to expect means that you're, you're, you're what? You're, pre- you're predicting the future? You can't predict the future. That's insane. You're being insane, right? But that is, it takes a level of insanity to be a champion. I know that. And I don't think that, Again, that virality thing is going to happen to me in YouTube, and I don't think it's going to happen in, in music, but it doesn't matter because if I see a window to improve, it's what's better than that? What's better than being like, you know, like, why are people, why do people want more than that? Like, uh, one of the most moving podcasts I ever heard was Derek Sivers on. Tim Ferriss's podcast, you know, Tim Ferriss yeah, yeah, yeah. for our work week yeah. and, and, and for our body, Derek Sivers was the creator of this thing called CD baby and CD baby still exists. Um, I used to use it when I was releasing music before. Um, <clears throat> sorry, I'm getting a bunch of text messages. They need to get out of here. But anyways, CD babe, he, he was a musician and, uh, he wanted a way to be able to sell his CDs. And like, he just like didn't have, he didn't really get it. So he actually built the like buy button for CDs. Like it had never been done before. He went to like a Walgreens and said, okay, you guys sell this CD for, I think it was 10 to $12. Um, Walgreens, you know what a Walgreens is yep. or CVS? Yeah. yeah. We, yeah. I don't know the equivalent it, or whatever. Like, a, UK, boot, like a boots, like a pharmacy slash toiletries store. Exactly. I think it was like, they're like, oh, well, we take $5. And he goes, great, thank you. Leaves. He goes and builds this website. He calls it CD Baby. And he wants to sell his album. I'm going to take $5 or something like that. Or no, no, no. I'm just going to sell my album here. Other bands were like, hey, can we sell our albums there? They would go up to him. They're like, this is cool as hell. Like, you do this online? And he's like, yeah. He's like, I'll sell your albums. Uh, I'll just take $5. They're like, great. Cool. And he did that. And he just built the first distribution system. Like, that was it. He was the first. And he, like, that buy now button, like, was like him. I think porn was another one. I don't know if you ever saw that, that movie. Where it was like the guys who created how to, like, literally type in your credit card. That came from porn. Um, that was like, that came from porn. Yes, there's a movie. It's really good. What's it called? You should definitely you know. check it out. I got. I, I don't. I don't know. It, a, I head, wish you'd give me more there because the search, the search terms but, for this are going to be interesting. Yeah, you're yeah, right. This is just a trap. Uh, like porn well played, movie. Well played, porn movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, just search porn movie. You'll be fine. Uh, no. But uh, and so he did this, and I don't think he raised his prices for like two years. And he was making a million dollars a month, cold, hard, like takeaway, $1 million a month, like continuously month over month, over month, over month. And uh, his, you know, his business expanded a little bit. 
he might have he, he actually might have made a little bit more from month to month, but just a little bit. Okay, and he was living his life. He was, and he had endless VCs, endless other companies saying, "Don't you want more? Don't you don't you want to expand? Don't you want to optimize?" And he said, "No, I'm good." And he's like, "Because I did that, I never lost money." I never took a I took an L my entire time owning CDBB. I think he's since sold it or whatever. And he alludes it to this one thing. And this, honest to God, this changed my mindset forever. He was like, I, uh, to my office, it was, uh, I would ride my bike to my office. And one day I was like, I want to see how fast I can get there. And he's like, I'm not kidding you. I put my head down. I put my headphones in. I went full speed. And I was, by the time I got to my office, I was cooked, man. It was crazy. It was like, I went as fast as I could. It took me 26 minutes. And then a few days later, he's like, I'm going to go at a leisurely stroll. I'm going to chill. I'm going to look in the site, look at the sites as I go. I'm going to look at the trees, the flowers, relax, smile, sing along to the music in my headphones. He's like, I got there in 29 minutes. So I had a wonderful 29 minutes or I could have a painstaking 26 minutes. What am I gaining from those three minutes of time? Nothing. I mean, virtually nothing. Maybe you were able to do something in those three minutes that you couldn't do before, but you're out of breath. You're feeling it. And he's like, why, what, why not just say no to the things that potentially optimize, you know, where you're at? If you are able to be successful and see results with whatever this simple thing is to you, like if something comes easy to you and it bears results, oh my God, do not change anything. Okay. Which by the way, mind you, coming from a fitness influencer is the last thing I should say if I want to make money off of you. If I want to make money off of you, I need to tell you what you're doing is wrong. <laughs> and right? you have the solution. It yeah. Doesn't, yeah. And I have the solution. But what I'm telling you is if you are getting results, if you're gaining muscle and you're getting stronger and you're losing weight or whatever it is, don't fuck with me. Don't fuck with anyone. Keep doing your thing. Do you know how freeing that is? Like it, 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 it's, it's, I'm telling you, this changed my life. And I listened to it, pro it was probably five years ago or six years ago or something where I heard this exact thing. I'll send you the link to this uh, podcast. It's brilliant, mate. It's brilliant. So you, He's like, his whole thing was like, learn to say no, you know, which has since been adopted yeah. by <coughs> many CEOs. But I think, that, you know, combining his creation of CD Baby, the, the bike ride analogy, right? That, that yeah. metaphor and, and just it, learning to say no has just been, it's been amazing. It's very freeing, you know? So how do you apply that to the trajectory you're on with? with music because music I can imagine creatively is very freeing in and of itself because you are, you are creating something out of nothing. Obviously there's chords and words that you're working with, but does it mean that your passion for your craft, there's no pressure for you to produce by a certain point gigs are purely fun. Do you just have a completely positive relationship with that output for the time being? Yes. And I'm, I see the, the window of improvement. I've hit it. So I'm going to keep hitting it. That's it. There's no, Hey, let's do more than that. Like, let's just chill a little bit and keep, you know, I have the studio booked for next week. 
Uh, it's the first time I've been in the studio to do something like uh, to do a couple tracks in a while. I purposefully took time to like settle on the music that I do have and promote that. Um, I take gigs that are like, I take gigs sparingly, like big gigs. I take them sparingly because it's not, that's not going to help me improve. Like it's just going to cause stress. It's going to cause deadlines that I don't need. Um, you know, and again, on the other side of this, I think you're going to resonate with this a lot is you do need to have something that will push your tempo just a little bit more. And that would be competition. So, or, or, uh, something that, you know, uh, for you, it's like, I, I have, I'm going to do this, uh, ultra on this date. Yeah. It's just skin in the game. Some, something, some sort of timeline something. to work towards. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And I would say at, earlier on, maybe you just have you just stack those over and over and over and over and over again, and then now you can take bigger time in between each one of those. But that's basically it, you know. That's basically been my philosophy through training. A hundred percent, that's been my philosophy through training, you know. And and it's my philosophy in music. And I I what I really another thing I see myself getting into uh, is documentary film. Um, uh, I have a few topics and I'm trying to get these things in the works. Uh, but I think documentary is, is probably my next venture as well. Um, and that's something that's going to be, you know, that's not out of, that's not crazy to think about doing, you know, and I would, I could do one for my YouTube channel. Yeah. I could do one behind a little paywall. I could do, you know, that's not a very difficult thing to wrap my head around. And I would have the same process there. And you've got iterations of that process as well, which is key. And I see, I mean, I couldn't begin to understand what, what the process is to score and create music. But it's kind of, the way I view it is almost like I can edit chronologically. I've, I've handed all the editing over because I'm not as good as others at it, but I can edit chronologically. But when, when I've always been most impressed with edits and outputs is when creatives take this smorgasbord of footage and work backwards from it and pull a narrative to create the output in a completely non-chronological way. Doesn't that stress way. you out just thinking yeah, I about can't it? Even, I can't even, I was stammering trying to say it. I can't even do it. And it's just, I know, yeah. it's crazy, yeah. isn't it? But I, I, I know exactly what, yeah. music, Music's the same, I see. So I think your your experience of, of going through the iterations of YouTube stacked against the the sort of creating out of nothingness with music puts you in a fantastic position to create documentaries. Okay. You always have to have your, uh, not like, what, what is the word that I'm always thinking about? It's like something, it's not fall back, but it's like, okay. So for me, it's like, I, I want this song to sound good. If it's just me holding an acoustic guitar singing to you. Okay. And if you say that's good, everything else is great because now I can go into the studio and be like, Hey, wait, 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 we're getting way ahead of ourselves. You know, cause dude, you want to talk about options. <laughs> Holy shit. The studio is crazy, crazy. We have, we have six different guitars minimum we could use on one of the tracks that we could do. We could do a thousand different tracks stacked up on top of each other to make a song. And we could use <laughs> for five different guitar tracks, we could use six to 10 different guitars. Right there, that's like 
I don't even know the math on how many different options there are. Then after that, you, you have inputs that are in the software. So you have like different pedals and sounds that you can make within that. You have different amps that you can use within that. You can, you know, this is where like we do a take and we're like, what if we try this? What do you do a take? We, what if we try this? And then all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute. This started with just me playing an acoustic guitar. Like, <laughs> like let's go back. Let's, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm getting yeah. a little too far, you know? And I think anything creative, it has to be good with the minimum amount of equipment. So if you think about a documentary, like if I had my iPhone, it would still be interesting. Yeah. That's the reality of it. And you've actually, you've so actually like developed guy, that skill, haven't you? Because when you were traveling, you couldn't be bothered with heavy-duty equipment and got comfortable using right. an iPhone, which mean that you, yes. you meant diluted down. Oh, this is actually fine because the, the base, the foundation is solid. So then everything else is just... Yeah, the, the video I did with you yeah. was entirely on the iPhone. I forgot, yeah. yeah. And uh, like, so when you're, when you know, me and you are both stressing out thinking about a documentary that has um, like... Yeah, my heart rate's up, for sure, for sure. It's crazy, right? But now you have to think like, if all we had was an iPhone and a linear timeline, it would still be interesting. Okay, now you're okay. Yeah. It's the options, it's the new things. And again, this goes back to that Derek Sivers thing. It's like... Wait a minute. You're telling me I can make $1 million a month, cold, hard cash, and you're making me stressed? Yep. No, no, no. That's not how this works. I I'm, I found something that works here, so I'm going to relax and enjoy my bike ride, you know? I, I think that – Americans cannot handle that. No, it, it's not. It's not. It's the, the land of excess. It, it's. It's not. It's weird. I, I. I always. I often think about this. My biggest takeaway from America. I don't mean this to sound critical in any way, but it is. It's an obsession with more. More isn't even enough. More isn't a powerful enough word. It's got to be more than more. It's. The, there is no limit. Yes. It is excessive, and I think. I think it's. It's something that even if you're comfortable and content with your day-to-day, there's just this conditioning that goes... I mean, I fall into this trap. I'm a very intense, driven, ambitious bloke, which means that I often wrestle with, well, I want to grow, I want to develop, I want more this, more that, the trackable metrics. But then it's like, well, actually, right. where where is the line? Where do you draw the line? And that's a difficult so, question to answer. So this is a thing that I'm very infatuated with. I would say, you know... I have a black belt in weightlifting and weightlifting content. Okay, so. I would also say, so. say that I have close to a black belt in understanding charlatanism. That was what you know, Derek and I. We did the Liver King Lie. Um, yeah. I've talked about this on my channel. Like this is something that I'm very interested in, and I think a lot about. And I talk with a lot of people about this concept. And I think at its core, that is fundamentally the issue that we run into. Is like if these charlatans just didn't try to over optimize and go more, 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 right? Because their ideas are actually sound and they would actually be successful and happy with those sound ideas um, without this idea of like, I want to take over the planet, yeah. right? Why the fuck is Logan Paul coming out with a uh, crypto zoo? Why? You just did prime. Like, you, you're yeah. good. You're fine. Just relax. Collect your checks. Smile. Like, 
what are, why are you doing that? And it's not, it's because that's what we do in America. And the only, the irony, that the irony, is what the, we are. The only downstream effect of that is negative. That nobody won in yeah. that, in that situation. There was no, against the context of Prime, which is still growing, as you said, that should have been stuck there. Yes. The CryptoZoo facade, everybody lost. Everyone. And that, Everyone that, that, did. that was and, a byproduct of the excess. Especially, I mean, I hate saying especially Logan Paul as if he's a victim, but <laughs> it is it is like to me it's like that that is the fundamental issue. Just accept the wins that you have for a moment, for a fucking second, and no one seems to be able to do that. I think about Liver King as well. Dude, did you know that Liver King, and this is something that Mark Bell told me, is like the guy for desiccated organs in North America. So if you are making supplements um, using desiccated organs, was that, you're was, likely wholesaling through him. Was that how he made his money in the first place? Yeah, and then he has a bunch of, you know, if you're wholesaling, you could also, yeah. you know, you could run the monopoly as well. And like, so we can assume that this dude was making millions uh, and then had, and then he just created this massive lie. Yeah. Again, the ideas behind organ meat and all of that are actually pretty sound. Um, but the but extrapolated you know, you to the nth settle. degree. Yeah, it's it just yeah, it's never don't enough. settle. Yeah. Be crazy. Go crazy. Go go hard. Go be more. Be more. Be more. Do more. Do more. And I think part of it is just this this I, ideology. But then also we tend to applaud the winners in those situations. Yeah, we were as much as we thought that we didn't like the liver king and that we he was lying. He was still famous as a famous as it gets. And people were like, you know and, what? And Screw people, it. I still like you it. looked at the comments, people were coming around to it. And that, that's a, that's, exactly. a, that's a whole separate narrative on, on looking for, looking for solutions out of desperate situations and things like that, that we won't pull the thread on. But I think we've landed exactly where I expected and hoped we would land, which is a bit of a, a brief overview of some of our, I'll say politely gripes with the industry in which we operate currently. Yes. So I think we should play a game yes. of, for PR purposes, we'll call fitness industry improvement tennis with the Zach to serve. And we'll go, we'll go back and forth. We'll, we'll label something that we think could be improved within the fitness industry, and we'll discuss why we think it could, for what, for what benefit, for what gain. And we'll go back and forth until we decide that we've run out of time and we're done. And look forward to hearing what people agree or disagree with. So, Zach, hit me. First thing that you think can be improved about the fitness industry, go. Ooh, I don't necessarily know off the bat. I'll have to get going on this, like worked up. But there's something that I've noticed recently in the fitness industry is that it has become a uh, style niche or a like makeup tutorials or, uh, you know, being edgy and goth or like I imagine high school kids, it's like, you are, you know, what's your thing? Like, are you a jock? Are you a goth kid? Are you a drama kid? Are you a musician? Are you a hippie? Are you a fitness kid? That's a I know, new I know thing. exactly what you mean as well. Basically, are That's you wearing alpha thing. flies? Yes, that was not a thing, dude. Fitness was never that. It was never, but now it is, especially in the Instagram space. So I, I would, I, I don't know. I don't think... 
I don't think we're going to get away from that. No. But like kids are like, oh, this is another route that I can go. It's not a, it's not really a lifestyle. It's, this is more of a, it's an aesthetic. What kind of kid are you? Yeah. What kind of guy are you? What kind of girl are you? What kind of whatever are you? You know, it's like, I'm a fitness person. It's not, it's not inherently a bad thing because essentially if, if (laughs) somebody is modeling their lifestyle off the back of fitness as a net result of many years of people promoting a lifestyle of fitness. It, 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 you're right, though. It's where, where where did we cross the threshold, and how much is this snowballing out of control as to the facade of fitness? That's 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 not new. Whereby the word fitness, I mean, one of my points is is on exactly this. But essentially, where does fitness stop being fitness, and it just becomes a choice of active wear clothing with some some bells and whistles? Yeah, but you also have to be hot, right? Yeah. Yeah, to, to, to blow up like and it, succeed, it's, seriously, it's a big part of it, yeah. Again, this is going to sound like resentful from – like this is just an observation. Like if you are a good-looking person, uh, you know, relatively low body fat, like you don't even have to perform that well. I'm, God, I'm, I'll probably get, you know, flamed for this, but it's it's like – and honestly, like that's always been the case, right? Yeah, yeah. Forever. So I think Correct. it feeds it feeds nicely you into care my about good looking people. My my return serve is yeah is and I struggle with this a bit given that I put content online. But my ethos is training first, content second. And I feel in the past twelve months, especially, I'm going to say TikTok's to blame. That has flipped for the most part, where the entry point to fitness for people is content rather than fitness, rather than the other way around. And I think with that has come the sort of Joey Swole response videos and all of the stuff that we're seeing in gyms all over the place with teenagers giving side eye to people walking past their water bottle too quickly and everything that's gone with it. But I think nothing gets in the way of my training more and pisses me off more about something I'm passionate about than having to film a video whilst I'm doing a training session. And the sad reality is I document my training sessions on my YouTube channel. That's the core component of it. But it really frustrates me because it gets in the way of the training. And I'm glad that I've held on to that, but then I'll see things which are purely derived for content's sake. And if if tripods can't be used in gyms, there's videos of kids that leave the gym because tripods aren't allowed, so they don't train. And I don't know when that happened. I don't know when content became the priority over the training, but I would love to see a move back to training first, content second in the social media slash fitness space. Yeah, I mean, that those two are like feed directly into each other. Right. That's that, that. That's basically essentially that's it. Right. Yeah. If you if you want to get into fitness, like you better have a camera. <laughs> that's that's where we're at right now. Uh, OK, let me think of another one here. Um, my gripes, my gripes, my gripes with fitness. I think. Um, yeah, I think this obsession. With hypertrophy. As if it's not something that you can also do while trying to remain somewhat athletic or functional is is crushing to me. And it, it's particularly with the squat. It's we have we have bastardized the purpose of the squat entirely. Um because the moment that like I've made a few videos where it's like, you know, a lot of people they'll they'll say, You shouldn't squat. You're not built to squat uh you don't have to squat 
you know, what those are. And there's a lot of people that do that. And mind you, like Greg Doucette's one of them. And I DM Greg, like Greg, Greg and I are on speaking terms. Like we talk to each other relative, like a decent amount. And I made a retort to that being like, you know, it does build the strom and where I'm like, if you're not squatting, you're an idiot. It's like, no, my process is like, it is worthwhile developing the flexibility and mobility to do a proper low uh, squat, like full range of motion back squat. And the moment I say something like that, they're like, all I'm trying to do is grow the muscles in my legs. I don't need the back squat to do that. And I go, okay, totally understand that, right? Like your only goal is hypertrophy. Fine. Like let's just eliminate all functionality and like only grow that muscle. Fine. That's great. But I think there's more to human life than that. And I think that the very process of being in the gym should consider that. That is my opinion. People can totally disagree with that. Um, Mike Isertel, who uh, I have a lot of connections with, he's actually gone all in on this. Like he thinks the front squat is idiotic. Don't do the front squat. Don't do it at all. Don't do it at all. Whereas I think the front squat is probably the greatest movement my my hands down favorite and most effective squat and deadlift assistance uh, honestly, exercise. Pause, beltless front squats. Always have been, always will be. I'm confident that. low, low front squat. As far as human function goes and like health and overall just rigidity and strength and toughness, I believe the front squat to be number one. And yet it just, no matter what is said, because it's not blatant hypertrophy, uh, it's it's discounted. There is no room for nuance there. And like, again, Mike Isertel, he that's his whole thing is like, do you want bigger legs or not? Like, there's no need to do the front squat. Again, that argument can be made, but I think it is worthwhile to 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 build. You know, you want bigger legs? Cool, you can get bigger legs, but you can also be a strong, you know, athletic, healthy individual. There's, there's, Those bo- there's two things are not points. mutually yeah. exclusive. There's byproducts, aren't yeah. there? It's, a, it's very, very aligned with the, uh, the notion of the interference effect, which I obviously come up against oh. and argue on a lot, which is essentially the previous consideration was it was an on and an off switch in the mTOR down-regulated MP- AMPK and therefore no adaptation could occur because you've done some cardio or vice versa. When in reality, right. it just reduces the adaptation slightly. Does that mean that you can't adapt? No. Does it mean you'll adapt less? Yes. But if you make your peace with that, then that's fine. In the same way that you're maybe not getting yeah. 100% hypertrophy with front squats, for example. But if you're getting 80% hypertrophy and upper back strength and core strength, hip mobility, positioning, full range of motion, then surely that's an effective movement overall. Is, is, it's yes. the same line of argument. Notice your verbiage there. You said less. You're still gaining. You're just making less gains. This has been the thesis throughout our entire podcast today, right? It's <laughs> yeah, like, has, yeah. like this, the enemy is this word optimization, yeah. optimal, optimized. Like we don't have any time to not be optimal. What's the best route? What's the best thing? What's the coolest thing? What's the greatest thing? We need to know the best, 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 best. So this feeds and like, directly into my next point, which is go ahead. the overemphasis on quote unquote recovery protocols when the vast majority of people are shouting the loudest about this and the vast majority of people are sleuthing the internet looking for the next thing they can spend hundreds of pounds or dollars on to 
level up their recovery. Train hard, recover harder, bro. Other people that are training too much without any specificity in the first place. You are not going to red light therapy your way out of being overtrained because you did 14 different functional fitness and wraps with your friends morning and evening and didn't sleep effectively whilst working your ass off hustling all day every day. You're not going to ice bath your way out of that. You're not going to be able to recovery protocol this, recovery protocol that. You're not going to be able to replace the basics if you're not sleeping well, eating well, hydrating well, and training effectively, which, I, I mean, do you know a single person that has 100%, you can look them in the eye, and they 100% nail their sleep, nail their food, nail their hydration, nail their electrolytes, nail their training without any deviation? I don't. Which means that for the vast majority of people, the 1%, the grain of sands at the top of the pyramid need not apply to the vast majority of people where the basics could be better executed. That's my, uh, that's, <laughs> that's my next. Yeah, no, that, 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 that is, uh, yeah, I think, I think I was probably going to go down that road as well, route as well. Um, Stan Efferding says, uh, you know, you're stepping over hundred dollar bills to pick up the, uh, quarters. Yeah, that's nails, it. You know that's I mean? it, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. The, um, just the misinterpretation of intensity when you need it and when you don't yeah. is, but again, this, this comes from just being an idiot. You got to be an idiot. You have to have a phase where it's like, yeah. you know, there has to, there has to be a phase where you don't recover. Well, I'm not very recovered. Well, I traveled all day yesterday and then I slept like shit last night. And then I went and trained. I, I wasn't like, Hey guys, I'm sorry. I can't make training today. Yeah in Miami, like, because I slept six hours, you just gotta, you gotta go for things like that. I think, you know, uh, we are what we say. So yes, if you're continuously saying how great cold plunging and sonnet is like, that's probably not a, a good thing unless you're hitting your sleep and nutrition and, and hydration and so on and so forth. So yeah, I agree. I agree a hundred percent. Next up, you got anything sitting there? Or should I hit another one that I think mm. you, you'll actually argue against me on this one, I reckon. I should have. Okay, yeah, go ahead. So I think the vast majority of barbells at gyms should have center knurling, but the vast majority don't. Why? Because I think where center knurling need not apply, i.e. in more Olympic lifting dominant movements, the majority of gym users don't need those barbells and would in fact benefit from having a little bit more stability on their upper back or in a hip thrust if pressed against a pad or something versus not have it, having a slippery barbell. There's, there's commercial gym chains over in the UK where they've got cheap barbells, no sentinelling, and they're slippy bars. Hot, sweaty gyms, training session, loose barbell on your back, maybe a bit of an experience higher risk factor. And when I have to use those when traveling and load 200 kilos plus in a low bar position without sentinelling, I shit myself a little bit. So that's my thesis. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, the low bar squat is a very interesting one. And that's like, for me, that's the reality is why you would need a uh, center neural. It's like you're optimizing for a competition style squat. Um. Yeah, this really gets into the weeds. It does. But I, I kind of, yeah, it really does. I I don't like to just like argue versus low bar and high bar squat because there's so many different, um, 
there, there's so many different like routes we can go down. I would say, you know, I would like to develop someone in their just full depth body weight squat. The absolute rarity that I see um, somebody sitting de- in depth in like any movement is it's it's like it's like it doesn't exist. And then when you put a barbell on someone's back, it's like for sure not going to happen. Right? It's going to be this really awkward, grindy type of squat. And so in that sense, it's like, okay, well, that, if that's your baseline squat, let's not squat. Let's get on the, you know, let's listen to the masses and be like, you don't need to squat. You shouldn't squat. You know, you don't have to squat. Um, but you never developed the the movement itself. You never developed the biomechanics of that the squat that I would like in the first place. Regardless of barbell, you know, I think sometimes we avoid if you have a center neural and you're going going low bar, you're just avoiding that thing that you potentially don't have in the first place. I'm not really arguing against you. I'm just kind of like you just don't know. Like, you, you, like to... It's it's a, it's an attack on powerlifters <laughs> in general. I sense. I sense. <laughs> but the best example, I, I I agree. The best example of the perfect squat. If you look at a kid, pick something up. The way they just sit mm-hmm. down upright. Right. However, they don't complain about femur length. They don't complain about yeah. leverages. Exactly. It, it's just perfect positioning. And I think yeah, there is a lot of uh, there's a lot of base work to be done on proficiency before my knurling gripe becomes an issue. I'm just attacking <laughs> I'm just attacking pure gym and the gym has changed in the UK for anyone listening because the amount of times I've been a little bit hot and sweaty, racked a barbell and thought, I'm going to die is something that I thought I'd bring up. But that's Here's fine. one. I think if, if you're going to mess with the snatch and the clean and jerk, you better be athletic and, and be willing to up your frequency. Um, I, the, the biggest issue with... Um, CrossFit is that, you know, you might snatch and clean and jerk specifically and work on those things specifically, not in a, in a Metcon setting, uh, once a week. And it's like, well, okay, well, no wonder the the form is bad. No wonder the, the intensity, it just outweighs the actual, uh, technicality of the movement. It's because you're not practicing it, you know? Um, and so if you're going to, if you're going to do those movements, do them frequently. And, and have a coach who's there with you who remembers your movement. That's like a lot of it too. It's not even programming that I really give a shit about. It's like, what is each individual's struggle with? And like, I remember, because I worked with you two days ago on the snatch. Remember, you kept messing up here, here, and here. This is what I'm going to do with you. And that's different from you to you. It's not necessarily a programming thing. It's more of a, yeah. a frequency issue. So... That would be one of my gripes. If you're going to do the snatch and clean and jerk, you better be willing to do it three times a week. Olympic lifting is such an art, man. It's such a, a beautiful endeavor. And you're, you're right. It, it requires such laser focus. And I think, yeah, attention to detail on the individual is, is, is huge for sure. But it's But in certain aspects, it's really not that difficult. Like if you want to be a good snatcher and clean and jerker, it's like anything. It gets hard when it gets hard. Yeah. And you then you have to dial it in and become laser focused. But I've seen athletes first, you know, day one, do a power clean with good technique as anyone. Yeah. And they're just good athletes. Yeah. So in that sense, like, yeah, we can do this once a week. Absolutely we can. But it's like in, in CrossFit, they're asking athletes to do a full snatch or a full clean and jerk. And then <clears throat> to max that out, 
Like, okay, well now we're dumb. Now, now we're doing stupid shit. You know, <laughs> he says, ready to go, so, ready to go to Waterpalooza over the next couple of days. We'll be witnessing lots yeah, of this yeah. firsthand. But that's no, that- no. The, I mean, the, dude, the CrossFitters move fantastic. The elite, oh, they, they really do. It's just, it's, it's the um, the the compromise lifting in recreational settings is is where CrossFit's got a bad name over the years. But of course, it's improved massively, of course. So my my next my next gripe is what I'm going to call the third down theory. And that is that my overwhelming experience from going to an NFL game was my very British disdain for how much celebration there was whenever an NFL team secured or retrieved, I don't know the terminology, a third down, which meant, or, or, or got, got I, I, you know, essentially when they get first to the third down, down. First down. Yeah, first down. Uh, but no, when, when, it, yeah, when it went from a third down to a first down, because that's, that's a, a, a nice reset. That sort of, most muscular pose for a moment the woo let's go sort of stuff yeah the it's obviously the brit in me but i think the the fitness industry tendency to preface end or default to that at any given opportunity when there's not really done been anything to warrant such behavior is is becoming is becoming too common for my liking and i'm going to call it the 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 unnecessary competitiveness that goes with the ego bros. We had a conversation, I won't name where, unless you're happy to, but essentially you and I both, we don't, if we were to jump into a functional fitness workout where everybody was sort of eyeing each other up and going toe-to-toe on the rowing machine and the next thing, when in reality there's no competition, there's no league table, everybody's just here to work out and go home. Yeah. If somebody was sort of eyeing me up and trying to one-up, I just I just don't get it. I'm just not interested in that, in, in that setting. And I think that constant day-to-day, I need to one-up the person next to me at all times mentality that manifests itself online i'm saying flippantly through the first down mentality is something that i personally don't love but maybe that's just because i'm not that competitive anymore in anything and i'm very very british it works uh it works though um it's all they want in football practice it's all they want in rugby practice it's all they want in any practice like uh the tougher the room the tougher you will be the more elevated your your abilities will be. If you're trying to beat the guy across from you and he's very good, like let's say he's better than the guy in the other gym that you don't get to train with, the moment you go into the other other gym, you're going to beat that guy because you've been going against someone who's harder. And so like that is the reality of it. But we're talking about we're talking about 30-year-old finance job guy <laughs> in the CrossFit gym challenging yeah. you. Yes. Yes. That's yes. obnoxious stupid right that's just male egotistical shit but i'm saying from like a competitive like if you're an actual competitor um that's the tough part about practice i i think there's i think there's an argument for the externalization of it though versus because because interesting that you mentioned yeah football versus rugby in this case i feel that Rugby players' competitiveness is much more measured and internal and sort of in the shadows, even though it's going on. Whereas, it, again, maybe it's just maybe it's just a, an American versus British thing or American versus rugby playing nations thing. But the the externalization of that competition is so much more tangible. I, I don't know why that is. Could just be cultural. But it, it, it my it, it's this the celebrating the small wins on the football field. It's the thir- yes. it's the thirty year old finance bro manifesting that into okay. going so, one thirty five yeah. in a rowing machine that I, I I just don't vibe with. Right. Yes. Yeah, so I'm I'm totally agree with you. Um, 
one of the ones is like, okay, this guy constantly like chipping at, at like my when I was competitive in CrossFit, just I was coaching at this gym, and and you know a lot of the members they would go after me and, and all this. But then when the open came, and we had a judge, you had to stand there, and it was like, hey, you know, you're on an island for 15 straight minutes working out, and you have one person watching you. Why is your score so shitty? You were always beating me, you know, quote unquote. You're always trying to be competitive with me, and now you're not even close to me. That's like you're celebrating the win that doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. That that the, that's the, the, the exact the exact phrase that I, yeah. Fuck first down theory. Celebrating the win that doesn't yeah. exist theory. We'll go with that. That's a much better yeah. way of putting it. <laughs> exactly. Like you haven't won shit. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but those people are always going to exist, especially. You know, again, I say 30-year-old finance bros because those are the most competitive motherfuckers at their job. They are. They you are. Know? And they need to, they a need to translate that A single 30-year-old finance bro, yes. They're not switching that off in a CrossFit gym, which is so cute. One of, my, uh, one of my best friends is a 29-year-old finance bro, and his, his passion for competitive fitness is insulting to everyone else in fact yeah and he, yeah. he, he actually okay, so- he, he actually trained for and went he went sub nine in an iron man this year last year rather which is to have the the finance bro obnoxiousness to be able to do that is actually quite remarkable so tom if you're listening yeah, so- well done but we all know why it's because you're an incessant 29 year old finance bro but he probably had his ego beat down a little bit in uh- that process to, to get sub nine, I'd oh, I'd say so. I'd say so. I'd say the whole yeah. the whole the whole so process like, was just wrestling with his, with his ego day to day. So martial arts gyms, you know, particularly jujitsu, which I have experience in, it's like you'll get the shit beaten out of you, like you, because you're against a training partner who's better than you. So if you doesn't matter how competitive you get, like it doesn't matter how hard you try, you have to learn how to to be quiet. That's the great example because if you go into a if you go into a BJJ or any martial arts gym with a big ego and you're all you're sort of prodding and poking and trying to trying to be the big man in the room, no, people will laugh at you. They they won't. They won't, it's not respect. Respect to be earned in that setting, of course. But yeah, th- th- you're not taken seriously until actually you let that part of you settle down, which I think yeah. is look. But, if but you're be- kicking ass though, yeah. like <laughs> that seriously, if you are, if you're a beast, like. But the, the reality is that's never actually happened before. The only people that kick ass in jujitsu have put time into that shit yeah. and have have gotten their ass beat, bro, destroyed, you know, to the point where it's like I go on the, you know, you got to go on the mats and you're like, whatever happens, happens, you know, comes to you. But it's it's a great thing. You CrossFit, there is no opponent. It's just kind of like you versus you and you can kind of cheat that. I've seen guys, they shave reps. They do all these things like it happens in it's not just crossfit it happens in just it happens everywhere in general. it happens everywhere yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 but in jiu jitsu it's you versus someone else and you can't shave anything off the the guy beats you he beats you bad and you it's know? it's a very uh, uh it's a very primal beating when you're gasping for air or coming back from consciousness there's nowhere really to hide there that do, that does yeah, that, that yeah. does things to an ego doesn't it when your eyes are opening you yeah. think oh shit i lost <laughs> The best is, too, um, you don't just lose and then the match is over in training. You lose and you go, okay, let's go. We're going again. Yeah. Yep. You lose, let's go again. You lose, let's go again. It's like that's when you really see that that person get broken down, man. They're like, no, 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 give me a second. They're like, oh, no, no, no. we got to go. We got to go. We're, we're training here. 
Yeah. Training's not over. Clock's still got three minutes left. That's the best. That's my uh, my business partner Johnny's backgrounds in in combat sports, and I think it's it's what may, makes him a a measured man rather than a chaotic man. And I think he's he'd be for sure. He'd be perfectly happy with me saying that. But he sees an enormous amount of that. I mean, he's he's had background in in bare knuckle boxing and things, and and sort of seen fights that are less regulated, shall we say. And the amount of value that he sees in the regulation and respect that surrounds these things from an ego management point of view is amazing. And that's what, I mean, we've discussed this. That's why I love training the way I do is because it's just me versus progression. And that's why I don't yes. really, I don't get there. There have been people in the past six yeah. to 12 months because this space has been blowing up more that are trying to drag me into beef or competition. I'm like, I just don't care. I genuinely do not care. I just like doing my own thing because it's rewarding and valuable. And if yeah. that happens to be something that other people resonate with, then that's a fantastic bonus. And I'm going to keep doing yeah. that. And I think that's where, yeah, 30 year old finance bros, to be clear, we love you. But it's just, yeah, I, I don't, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't, um, I don't resonate with that. I, I, the, any, any wins, I, any wins I'll celebrate are going to be very clear, definable wins. I think that I like to, I like to enjoy the process and sort of work quietly in the shadows and then celebrate the win when the win's there. Um, exactly. It, yeah, I, I feel I feel, I do feel oh, oh so British saying just 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 settle down there, old boy. Uh, no, no, no. There's there's room for that for sure. I, I think in fitness specifically, um, and in in America, I think martial arts is really the only place where we have that where we have that kind of tampering of the ego uh, in such a blatant and awesome way. It is, so. Yeah, it's exactly that. It's exactly that. Well, Zach, it is, it is getting late over here in the UK, and I'm conscious that you have a yeah. very busy schedule that you only just were told about this morning. Uh, so I want to th- <laughs> yeah. thank you very much. Best place for people to find you is? YouTube.com slash at Zach Tellender or coach underscore ZT on Instagram. And you will be surprised at the range and variety Zach has across all things. And the person, if you're watching, the person that you're looking at, is uh, again i expected rock music it's not so you can go and find out for yourself it's it's yeah it borders it you know it's americana is what we call it i like that americana country rock no it's it's it is genuinely i was i was very positively shocked and surprised at what you sent over and really really did enjoy it and i wish you all the very best for the continued growth and very reassuring and exciting to hear that it's just a process that you're really enjoying and loving because creative outlets like that I think if they if they are giving and fulfilling are really really powerful things. So thank you for today's conversation. Much enjoyed, and I'm sure I'll see you very Thanks soon. Thanks for having me.